the subject for the evening talk is emptiness and compassion. This afternoon there was a uh, small group meeting which included the uh, facilitators and a handful of others and in this small group discussion we actually explored um, this area of little bit, this area of emptiness and compassion. <coughs> and we would say, therefore, that with regard to this talk, this talk does not come from a speaker, but is dependently arising. <laughs> and this is true of anything that has ever been uttered. <laughs> In exploring emptiness and compassion, I would first tr try to uh, explain or give a little sense of what emptiness is. Now, in our English language, we have frequently have negative connotations, implications around words emptiness, we associate it with nothingness, we can associate it with a negative feeling, a, an emotional factor, feeling empty, and, and there can be those kind of connotations around the word. In the word shunyata, which is frequently translated into emptiness or voidness, there's none of that implication whatsoever. Not a, not, a, not a trace of it in any way. But is a concept which in a way I feel is an abbreviation of saying that nothing has an independent self-existence. Nothing exists by itself. Nothing is independent. Nothing is unique. But owing to dependent arising or connectedness or relatedness, there is the appearance of all this we call, we label, the world. So the word emptiness is an abbreviation, let us say, for expressing an understanding that no thing exists unique unto itself. 
it, it, it arises dependently. So each time I use the concept emptiness, it's in that regard. Lack of self-existence, lack of inherent existence, independent existence. <coughs> we would say, in our everyday conventional language, that we see the necessity to be aware of our obstructions and difficulties. These obstructions and difficulties which arise in our mind have an influence, an impact upon ourselves. They may manifest as wanting, wanting, they may manifest as aggression, they may manifest as fear, as confusion, as anxiety, or whatever. We become aware of them, and we begin to explore ways and means to work with them. Because perhaps firstly and initially, it affects us. We don't like these experiences. We, we intuitively sense that we don't have to live with them, we don't have to be so caught up in them. And we see, <coughs> to <coughs> perhaps to a, late, uh, a, a greater or lesser degree, that these obstructions actively obstruct our relationship to the world. We see that they are a kind of divisive element in which our self is involved. And when these obstructions are strongest, when these difficulties appear to be most substantial, the sense of I and me and mine feels to be the strongest. So, we are concerned about this, we concern what it's doing to ourselves and we begin to find the ways and means to take some of the potency out of these obstructions. In our looking into these obstructions which arise, and especially by the way that we use the language, we sometimes imply as though there is an image of ourselves which is pure, clear, clean, and then the obstruction comes. So sometimes this we report to ourselves or to another, we will say something along the lines, um, while I was sitting, while I was meditating, you know, so much negativity came up, and it really influenced and affected my sitting, and I just couldn't settle down. And there is an implication there that the self, I am pure, clear, clean, or whatever, and the ego, that is the character of the ego, and then this 
um, uninvited, comes up, comes upon me, and I've gone from being in this rather pure s state to being a negative, hostile, angry, resentful person. And so then we have <coughs> a conflict of interest. A conflict of interest in which I'm trying to keep clear, I want to be like that, and I don't want this to affect me. And this dynamic goes on much of our life, feeling to be hit at, overwhelmed, struck by these obstructions. This original idea, I am pure and this is affecting me, this original idea of this image doesn't have any reality to it. It's an image which is there and what gives this image is dependently arising and what gives reality to this image is the force of the obstruction. When I'm faced with something I don't want, the very potency of it gives, it's maybe hard to follow here, but it gives rise to its opposite. In this case, I'm taking an example here, negativity. And the idea of I am non-negative and this has affected me. Can there be just its movement, just this apparent obstruction in which there's just a movement which is taking place? No idea of being pure, clear, perfect. No idea of an image or an idea, this is how I am and now I'm caught up in this. Because this is how I am, image and idea, is dependent on this negative aggression, resentment or whatever we call the, the obstruction. The two go together. When I've got one and I don't like it, I must want the other. Must. And so I find I am in conflict because I'm trying to get rid of one in order to preserve the other. And I forget that they are dependently arising and trying to keep one is the invitation to the other. Such is life. Then one begins to engage in the, the process of meditation, the inner work. The very implication of inner work 
of using meditation, insight meditation in this case or whatever, as a resource to seeing into these obstructions is such that the very concept of obstruction may begin to fall away or block or hindrance or difficulty or problem or issue whatever the language which you or I frequently use is itself a judgmental label every time we say my mind is confused, distracted it's simply a judgment which interferes with what actually is you say my mind wanders where the hell can it wander to? it's a ridiculous idea <laughs> so we make these judgments we believe in them, we support them we feed the judgments and the very judgments create the problem make it, fix it so then we begin to engage in some inner work some process of looking at these so-called problems, so-called issues with ourself and perhaps in that the labelling of all of this begins to some degree to drop away there's a greater receptivity to what is taking place and perhaps we regard these events not so much as a problem but as, as I've said before, an opportunity an opportunity for working on so-called oneself an opportunity of coming to some insight into these things in all of that still the mode of mind the primary intention is this is happening to me I have something to learn from it by seeing my way through some of these appearances I will become clear this may leave a certain clarity of heart and mind a certain purity a, a sense of psychological and emotional health and uh, well-being and a reasonable degree of comfort psychological comfort now with oneself and one's life and certainly that is important and valuable and life-sustaining but it doesn't necessarily mean that emptiness and compassion are, shall we say, fields of understanding, fields for wisdom. And one wonders, <coughs> what is it is that's going to, for us to contribute to facilitating that wisdom? Sometimes there can be great depths of meditation 
and those who have the opportunity for sustained meditation to make a longer retreat either with a facilitator or without can in the process of that reach great depth depth not only meditative depth but shall we say psychological depth coming to the root of some of these unresolved difficulties but all of this still implies some degree of interest for self the self idea the, se the me sense may in the process of that be reduced from egotism to a clearer quieter ego but still there is a separateness from the world to some degree or other and therefore the, there is the implied the implication that oneself has a self-existence has an independent special self-existence which in some way or other really is different from all else and all the work on oneself will give rise to some way or other of sustaining this point of view no matter how deep in the meditation one goes no matter how much the understanding of psychological problems and clarity comes about there is still the construction of the self idea as special, independent and unique and it's rather like as someone pointed out, which I thought was rather a nice um, analogy one can practice meditation and all these um, things and come to a certain clarity there certain purity and it's a little bit it can be a little bit like looking at a rainbow one looks at this the ra rainbow and it's a very beautiful rainbow lovely colors and so forth one has given up hope that there's a pot of gold lying at the, this is my extra now, lying at the end of it. <laughs> you know, like a Bodhi tree experience and all those other boring events. And, and one is just looking at the actuality. And in looking at the actuali actuality, one, let us say, the idea that the rainbow is real and substantial is like the way we relate to self and with little awareness we see that this rainbow which manifests is a product of raindrops and globules and atoms and da 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 and thus there is this appearance they say oh what a wonderful rainbow what a beautiful person what a pure mind and in that we keep giving self-existence like we do when looking at a rainbow completely forgetting dependent arising
And then perhaps we in our looking inwardly begin to have some wonderings whether really that's if that's what it's all about. And either please don't make take my comment about the Bodhi tree as a judgment. <laughs> which it was. Um, <laughs> so either we find ourselves moving towards um, wanting something more, something special, some experience, some enlightenment, some catastrophe. <laughs> and the mind in its movement makes that an independent self-existent. separate, different, bearing no relationship to anything else. And the mind wants to fix it in that way. And, if, and either or in the, some meditative depths, there may be the hope. Perhaps in meditative depths, I will come to realization of emptiness <coughs> or out of it will come some organic movement which will make me a compassionate human being if not a Buddha at least second best a Bodhisattva And there can be a great deal of optimism that somehow meditation and depth and the flowering of realization and the compassion which accompanies it must all come by itself. And one is still being blind to the nature of emptiness. as I referred to it earlier. So if inwardness is not the answer, no matter how far and deep that one goes and there's no end to that depth, and if being lost out there in the world of different things and different objects is also not the answer. Where is one going to turn? When we come from the inner, and important and as valuable as it, as it is, <coughs> let's say, in being with the inner, there are some human beings who, owing to the factors of uh, this dependent arising, 
compassion does flow. <coughs> there can be truly tremendous compassion in one who lives in solitude in a cave in the middle of the forest. There can be compassion by the expression of motivation of dedicating all of one's work for the welfare of the planet, of life. There can be compassion in the direct expression of a single action of body, speech and mind towards another being, life, plant, whatever, earth. And there can be compassion which makes itself manifest through obvious, overt action, clearly visible. But one cannot be assured that it will come by itself. And therefore, one might ask with emptiness, that means the lack of self-existence, the realization things do not come by itself, but are dependently arising because of the lack of self-existence. Then heart and mind and body and being and awareness must really open itself out. It can't rely on a self-existent in terms of me going deep into myself and it will all happen by itself because it's a falsehood to begin with. And how can one go from the false to the true via the false? I just made myself redundant as a meditation teacher. <coughs> so, if there is some sense, some appreciation of dependent arising, it means our or the relatedness is such that we explore the variety of resources which contribute and act as a catalyst for heart and mind to open to see. Not taking a particular and concluding this is it, this is the way. In such awareness, if compassion as communication of the vastness of a human being. It must be through relatedness. A relatedness to events in which objects themselves are not the substance we give them.
It's the very character of ego, of that structure. Because of the structure of that, this world gains thingness. The ego makes thingness, issueness, itness. separateness, divisiveness, pain. And the world of all these different things, issues, experiences, events or whatever, make ego. The two which embrace the whole of existence are mutually dependent, are dependently arising. And we believe in this. The world it makes someone. And someone makes the world. Ego makes things and things make ego. And this becomes the fixed view of life, separateness and selfness in that distinction and one others. Why? How is it that seeing through this fiction of separateness, how is it that in seeing emptiness, that is the lack of inherent self-existence, is such that compassion must be. How is that? So we've taken the em we've taken the emphasis off inwardness except as a valuable resource to clearing away some of the constructions. We begin to open our attention out to see this relatedness. In this, relate in this relatedness, one's pain ceases to be one's pain. that the countless unfoldment of experiences which take place inwardly are no longer one's experiences. They are, if we locate it, they are the experiences of the planet. They are experiences of humanity. They are the experiences of life. So what was once my experiences, my pain, my resolution, my um, suffering, my problem or whatever, that, that ceases to have any real truth to it. So that the actual pain is such that it's related to the pain of all human beings. 
It no longer has this self-existence, my existence, I existence. It no longer has this independentness. How can the heart not be compassionate? How can the heart which knows suffering and pain and sadness in life and what that feels like not to turn a blind eye else, elsewhere. That pain out there and that pain inside is non-different, is non-separate. How can one not experience compassion? So, in that, then we, we look a little bit more carefully into that. We give it, abandon these having special experiences which we want to wrap around and make something, make something of, and all the blindness that can come out of that. And in our looking directly <coughs> and deep allowing our acknowledgement, shall we say, our appreciation for this dependent arising and the emptiness of self-existence. <coughs> but in that we also question and look at the even the whole concept of Relatedness. Because very easily one's heart and one's mind would say, I realize when, when the mind moves, it fixes on something, it makes something, it separates it, and all the problem which potentially can come out of that. One realizes. There's no such thing really as noise. There's sound and the rest is an interpretation. And so though we may come to the very bare actuality, stripped of much of the judgment and projection, there is still that, valuable as it is, a relatedness. Along which, as I said in the talk yesterday evening, the lines of love and compassion have an opportunity to flow. But very easily, heart and mind then says, I want to know relatedness. I want to experience relatedness. I want to feel it. I want some affirmation of it, some way or other. What have we done? What have we done already? Isn't it now that we've taken this concept, we've isolated it, we've given it a self-existence, we're beginning to make something of it, 
and we're back where we started. We haven't done anything but move the object that we want from one thing to something else and now we call it relatedness, now we call it compassion. And we make a, a thingness out of it, an itness out of it. And thus this emptiness of self-existence, emptiness of emptiness. is such that the whole fabric of the language and all the constructions and the mental labels and all that takes place is totally irrelevant. In which not this, nor that, nor here, or there, nor today, nor tomorrow, nor having, nor becoming, nor I, nor me, <coughs> are saying anything. And thus, this dependent arising not having self-existence is empty. Being empty, it's dependently arising. Since it's dependently arising, there is for heart and mind empathy. Recall this realization, compassion. Which may be expressed in the cave, may be expressed in the voice, may be expressed in the action. So let us not concern ourselves with things and itness and self. 
and fixing and concretizing. So that the awareness, the presence, just shows easily and effortlessly that the revelation of one so-called event, one experience, one thought, one presentation, just the presentation of one is the presentation of everything. Everything. If you are here, all is here. And if all is here, you are here. How can one not be compassionate? How can one not be loving to see this? How can there be any limitations on sharing, on giving, on being with? If there is that intuitive apprehension of the emptiness of self-existence, the realization of dependent arising. If we put it in the most simplistic kind of language, we are here and we're all in it together. May all beings see into life. May all beings see into the nature of things. May all beings see that emptiness is compassion. Compassion is emptiness. <coughs> Let's have two or three minute quiet period together, please.
Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.